So this past weekend, we had a men's camp, an awesome men's camp. Yes, amen. It was a men's weekend. It was amen. It was awesome. It was really good. It was exponentially better than anything we've ever had before. And uh, it was just wonderful to hear the testimonies of the lives of people that have been changed. So we had 100 men this year, next year 200 in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. So next year we're going to, same place, same venue, but we're going to invite some extra friends along. It's going to be awesome. So uh, on Saturday morning I shared a message with the guys and I want to continue on that message uh, about the flame on the inside. Do you know that there's a flame? There's a fire on the inside of each and every one of us. You're a spirit being. You're just inside of this house called your body. And every one of us have a, have a fire, a flame burning on the inside. But the question is, what is that flame burning for? Is it burning for Jesus or is it burning for a whole bunch of other things? Is it burning with a passion for Christ or is it burning with lust? What are we burning for? What are we burning for? You see, that, that flame on the inside is like, like a, that, a locomotive, you know, that, that fire of the locomotive. And you put the coal in there to, to, to get that locomotive going, to build up that pressure. And so you, 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 it, it drives us somewhere. It moves us somewhere. My question is, what is driving you? What is burning on the inside of you? When you are on your own somewhere, when you're alone, what are the things going through your mind? What are the desires that, that, that burn on the inside of you? What, is, what, what are your passions? What are the things that you give your life to? It all comes back to what's burning on the inside. What's the fire? What's the flame on the inside? And so I want to I share with you about this. And how can we get that fire to burn for the right things, for Jesus. And how can we build out that flame to burn more bright, brightly, more brighter? Amen. Who wants to burn for Jesus? Because <laughs> that, in a sense, that's where life truly takes on real meaning. I'm sure all of us have been exposed to religion. I'm not talking about religion. Religion is going through the motions. But there's another dimension, another level of living that is being on fire for Christ. And so I was reading the scripture and it so spoke to me. You know, um, it's in 1 Peter. You can put it on screen. 1 Peter 1 verse 13. It says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this ultimately speaks of when Christ returns one day. But think about this for a moment. Whatever you're battling with, whatever you're struggling with, whether it be sin, you're bound by some form of sin, and you're wrestling with it, you don't know how to get out of it. Or maybe, you know, battling financially, or maybe maritally, you're like, my marriage is not what it should be. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shadow of what it should be. Or, or, or maybe you lack confidence, you know you should be more confident. You know you should be taking a stand. You should be stepping out. But, but you, you, you're just not who you feel you should be. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But I, I mean, years ago, I would have like, this is not me. I'm not acting like me. I'm acting like a fraction, a shadow of me. 
And I don't know how to break out. I don't know how to step into who God has called me to be. How do you step into that? How do you break through? How do you get that breakthrough? I believe this is one thing. A revelation of Jesus Christ. When you get a glimpse of who Jesus is, it changes everything. Think about this for a moment. We have the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He knew religion. He, he had zeal. But he was actually fighting against God. He was killing Christians, throwing them to, into jail. He was fighting against God, but he was religious. You see, you can be religious and miss the plot completely. Why does South Africa look like it looks like? Why, why, what, what, why is South Africa in the state that it is? I believe the state of the nation reveals to us the state of the church of Jesus Christ. But what do we do? Jay-Z, yeah? it's all his fault. Eh? It's all his fault. Everything in the land is his fault. Or government in general, or whatever it might be. And we all, what are we doing? We blame shifting. It's always someone else. It's always them. It's always them doing it wrong. And if only that would change, everything would be better. I don't agree. I believe, where, where, where does change begin? It begins with you. It begins with me. You and I are the solution. We are the solution. And with the, with the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was anti-God. He was fighting against God. He was passionately believing he was pleasing God. And he wasn't until he went on this road to Damascus and he was on his donkey. And then suddenly, who appeared? Jesus appeared. And Jesus knocked him off his donkey fell to the ground and he, he looked into and he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, I am the one that you're persecuting. And, and he was struck blind for three days. <laughs> and he became a real Christian. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Do you know how miraculous that is? That someone that was a persecutor of the way, of the faith, became the greatest promoter. And he, he, he signed his... I mean, he died for the faith. He signed his witness in his own blood saying, I saw Jesus and I'm willing to give my life to him. Have you had an encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you had an encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you had that Damascus Road experience where everything changes because you saw Jesus? Because that's the question. 85% of our country says they are believers. Nonsense. Utter rubbish. Religious, yes. Following Jesus, no. And we can point the finger out there. We can say, no, well, maybe it starts with me. I need to make sure my deal is right with God. I need to make sure, have I met Jesus? The tomb is empty. He is risen. And he's still changing lives. At the men's camp last week, one of the guys were who was here this morning also, he shared his story. And it was really funny because he was sharing all the stuff and we were like, whoa, whoa. You know, drug trafficking, selling his soul to the devil in his own blood, writing a letter. And at some point he looks at all of us and says, and I thought I had issues. You guys have issues. <laughs> that was funny. I'm like, yes, we all have issues. We need Jesus. Church is a place where people get freedom.
from their stuff. It's a place where lives are transformed. But how, how does that happen? It's when you see Him. It's when you see Jesus. And that's what that verse says there. Rest your hope fully upon the grace, the empowerment, the goodness, everything that's going to come with the revelation of Jesus Christ. I know this is the truth. Every time I'm thinking, God, we need a breakthrough. We need people to come to Christ. We need people to be healed. We need people to be set free from their past. We need, God, we need you. And I know all my focus is this one thing. Jesus, I need more of you. There's more. Let's say it. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more of Christ. But when we find ourselves in that place where we're indifferent, you know, I grew up in, in religion. It's not, a, it's not a nice deal. It's not a nice deal. It's fall, it falls far short from who Christ is when you meet him, the man with a fire in his eyes. Pastor C.I. shared the story of multitudes, multitudes in, 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 in uh, the Muslim world who are having visitations from a man with a white robe and the fire in his eyes saying, come and follow me. Multitudes, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Muslims are turning to Christ because of the man with the fire in his eyes, the head and encounter with Jesus. Do you know that when you're a Muslim and you know that your family could possibly kill you, you could lose everything, you need, a, you need an encounter. You need to know this is real. You know this Jesus thing is the real deal. But what do we have in our land? It's so comfortable. So comfortable, and, and you know, and you go to one church, and the message is a little bit, oh, that's a little bit too, that's a little bit too uncomfortable. Let's go to a place where it's just, just more comfortable. That's how we choose. We choose church according to our comfort, not according to where am I going to grow? Where am I going to be challenged? Where can I have a Jesus encounter? Or will we just go through the motions? South Africa needs a Jesus encounter. That's I'm so excited about this get-together of Angus Bucken, 22nd of April at Bloemfontein. Now, we know Angus from before he was famous. We, were, we had a, a meeting in, uh, in Franschhoek City Hall in Franschhoek, I think it was year 2001, 2002. Nobody know, knew about him. The Faith Like Potatoes movie hasn't come out yet. And uh, when Angus was there and he preached his heart out, well, the whole, the whole, the whole venue went to the front. To commit their lives. I'm like, man, this man is anointed. <laughs> but he's humble. And he loves people. It's not about him. It's about Jesus. You can see that Angus Buchan is passionate about Jesus Christ. And he'll give his life for him. That excites me. God is moving in this nation. God is moving in this nation. We're on his agenda. And even our president can't stop it. In Jesus' name. No man can stop it. But there's a move of the Spirit coming to our land. But it begins with you and me. Say, I need a Jesus encounter. I didn't actually mean you to say it, but it's good. Say, yeah, I need a Jesus encounter. We need a Jesus encounter. We need to be on fire for God. We need, we need to set our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ, one glimpse of the glory of God, and we will be changed. The Bible says when we see him, we will be like him. 
Oh, it's good to be like Jesus. It means you, you're free from your past. You know what it is to live life. You have joy and peace and love. Jesus is beautiful. If Jesus isn't so beautiful to you, then it means you haven't encountered the real Christ. You've just encountered dead religion. God wants us to encounter him. So there's this message in Revelation chapter 3. I want to quickly take you through a few verses where Jesus appeared to uh, John the Apostle. And he gave him a message for the church. Seven churches of Asia. And I believe there's a message for the church of South Africa right now. I believe this message that I'm going to read to you now is the, mes- the message from God for our nation at this time. And if we embrace this message, things are going to change. Things are going to change radically. Change begins with us. It's time for the church to arise. Revelation 3, verse 14 I'm just going to quickly read through the whole thing and then I'll, I'll break it down shortly. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message, say message, from the one who is the amen. He is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the one who sees correctly. The beginning of God's creation, new creation. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. It continues, verse 17, you say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, so I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich, also buy white garments, From me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference in the last bit. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. This morning, Jesus is standing at our doors and he's knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit on with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So God is speaking. So what should the mission be? I share this with the men's camp guys. The mission is Christ. Everything else is secondary. The mission is Christ. When the mission is Christ, then we are empowered To fulfill the mission of Christ. The mission is Christ. The mission is Christ. Don't try and do something for him until you have met with him. Don't try and achieve something until you have encountered the fullness of Christ. Every time I have a God encounter, it rocks my world. And the results are next level. See him. He's alive. He wants to meet with you. He wants to touch you. So now he comes, Jesus comes, and he, and he speaks this word. He says, this is the message from the one who is the amen. I've never seen that. You know the word amen. Say amen. What does it mean? It means, so be it. It's established. It's sure. It's a done deal. Jesus saying, I am amen. I am the amen. I am the amen. I will cause it to be. You want to change this nation? Meet with Jesus. 
as the million plus people will do on the 22nd of April in Bloemfontein. A million plus people will, will, will meet with Jesus and say, God, we need you. We're looking to you, not government. We're looking to you, not money. We're looking to you, not our own means. He is the amen. In other words, when we encounter him, he causes it to be. He changes things. doesn't matter what you're battling with right now. One glimpse of Jesus, and it will change. One glimpse. He's bigger than you can imagine. He's more powerful than you can imagine. He is glorious and powerful and faithful. He's a true witness. So he comes to you and me and he says, I'm seeing it clearly. Let me, let me, let me help you. Let me, let me speak into your situation. The Lord is wanting to speak into your situation right now. It's the best thing ever. Jesus, speak to me. Tell me what needs to change. Then he continues here. The faithful and true witness. The faithful and true witness. You see, the lukewarm, let me read the last bit of that, that, that verse. He says in verse 15, I know all the things you do, and that you neither hot nor cold. In other words, I'm seeing Jesus is looking right into our hearts right now. There's nothing that you can hide. There's nothing. He sees it all. It's pointless to try and hide it, because he is seeing it, and it only matters what he sees. It only matters what he thinks. And he is looking at our hearts. He's looking at our lives. And he's saying, I see that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So what is he saying? First of all, he's saying, I'm seeing into your heart. I'm seeing everything you're doing, but that's not the main thing. I'm looking into your heart and I'm seeing a lukewarmness, an in-betweenness, an indifference. I see your passion for all these other things, but you're lacking passion for me, for Christ. And then he says, and I wish it wasn't so. Jesus saying to the church in this nation, I'm seeing your lukewarmness and I wish it wasn't so. Why? Because you know, lukewarmness misrepresents Christ. Lukewarmness, that indifference, that hypocrisy, that in-between. We worship on Sunday, but we deny Christ with our lifestyle the rest of the week. That offends both man and God. It offends God. It's like, you're misrepresenting me. So the, the people out there, and they're looking at you, and you're saying you are a Christian, and they're looking at you and saying, well, if that is being a Christian, I want nothing to do with the church or with Jesus. Do you agree? Hypocrisy. That double-mindedness, that in-between, that the mission is everything but Christ, but we're doing religion. This is the problem in our nation. That is the problem, the lukewarmness, the in-between. The not on fire for Jesus. Passionate about burning with lust for every other thing, whether money or cars or houses or position or power or whether it be hobbies or other passions. And all those things are good, but it needs to find its place underneath the real mission. Jesus. 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 He... It's all about Christ. So where are you at? Are you lukewarm? 
Is, is there an in-between on the inside of you? Because the Lord wants to set you free. One glimpse of Jesus, and he takes the apostle, the Saul, and he makes him a Paul that's willing to lay down his life for the cause. That's when you come alive. Do you know that's when life begins to mean something? When you are on fire, when you have a cause that is greater than yourself, and it is him. That's my cry. Jesus, we want to see you. We want to see you glorified. We want to see a church that's on fire for Jesus. Let's say it, on fire. You see, many of us, we have, we have tasted of religion, but we have no frame of reference for what real Christianity is about. Go read the revivals of the past. Go read how God moved. Go listen to stories of people that encountered Christ. It is so much more than coming to church, singing a few songs and going home. So much more than just reading your Bible for a bit and then going on with life. I did my 10 minutes, now I'm going on with life. There's a fire within that must, that should burn for God. And when it burns for God, it's, it's freedom. I don't care what people think about me. I care about what Jesus thinks about me. And he wants us to burn for him. The mission is Christ. And he's coming to his church and he's coming to knock on that door and say, hey, what's going on? I see I'm the true witness. Let me help you. Let me help you to see where you are at. You see, you can't change your state until you realize your state. So the Lord is here to come and speak to us. Verse 17, you say, you say, I am rich. I believe this speaks of spiritually. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. How often I meet Christians who have that attitude. I don't need a thing, eh? Don't come and talk to me about the Holy Spirit. I know what church is about. But I'm like, there's more. You're missing out. There could be a fire burning on the inside of you that transforms your life. I see, I see the passivity. I see the, the smugness sometimes. Of people who find themselves in dead religion. Like I know. We grow up. My grandparents and my great grandparents. And we have this legacy. And I know. But maybe we don't know. Maybe there is so much more. But you need to hunger for that more. You don't say Jesus I want more. I'm so over. I'm so over a dry, dead, boring existence. I, I want that more. God we want the more. We want the more. And so he's saying there in that verse, it says, I don't need a thing. That's what you're saying. Maybe that's just two of us here in the place. Like, <laughs> maybe the rest of us, maybe I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know. But that, that, that smugness of, don't mess with my comfort zone, man. It's just some of us are thinking that right now. Who does this preacher think he is? Come and tell me. I believe it's a message from God for every one of us. There's more. Don't, don't become passive. Don't stop pursuing the more. Don't let go of a hunger and a thirst for the more. Don't settle for dead religion. Don't settle for, a, for a going through the motions. There's more. I'm after that more. How do we know there's more? Because multitudes are not flooding into the kingdom right now. How do we know there's more? Because everybody's not getting healed yet. 
How do we know there's more? Because everybody isn't getting set free of their addictions and things like that. How do we know there's more? Because surely our God is greater than this. Amen. Surely our, our God has a plan for our land and for East London and for our people. Surely our God is not happy with the current situation of racism. Surely he wants white and black and colored to passionately love one another. Surely that is what the glory of God looks like. And if we're not seeing it, then you and I have the invitation to say, okay, God, change me. Let's say it. God, change me. Let's say it. God, set a fire on the inside of me. I think there's two reasons we, we become complacent. The one reason is we, we, we don't realize there's more. And secondly, we don't realize it's for us. Let's say it is for us. Let's say that there's more. There's more. There's more. Let it stir on the inside of you. Let it stir on the inside of you. I mean, I was so blessed at the men's camp just hearing the testimonies of guys getting up saying, well, here's my psychologist's report from six years ago and three years ago. I've been booked off. Um, I have panic attacks. I have suffered depression. I am on all these pills and, 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 like two different psychologists, psychiatrists, and he reads the statement and then when we started off with our healing series, some of us prayed for him. He couldn't focus for more like, like 10, 15 minutes, and then his mind would wander. Jesus healed him of the depression, set him free of the panic attacks and the insomnia, and he can now actually listen to a whole sermon in Jesus' name. Amen. That is the power of Jesus. And other stories of people here who's, who's been healed, been battling for so many years, tried all the doctors, all these things, all good. But there wasn't enough until Jesus touched them. Now that's what we after. We want, we, want, we, we want a scenario where everybody knows what God is in the house. Because only Jesus could do that. Amen. He is not glorified when we live in the lukewarm level. But then he says there, I'm going to spit you out. What does it mean? That you could be going to church, you could be going through the religious, you know, mold and process. But Jesus is saying, that's not what my body looks like. So you could be going to church in terms of a meeting place. But Jesus said, I can't relate to lukewarmness. I can't relate to the in-between. I relate to the sinners because they know they're sinning. I relate to that. Jesus loved the sinners, the prostitutes, all that. He loved spending time with them. Man, we can work with you because they know. But I don't know what to do with the in-between. Now I'm a Christian. Now I go to church, read my Bible every now and again. I'm good. Jesus says, that freaks me out. That's what he's saying. That is South Africa's problem. Because if you're there, you'll never really repent. You'll not fall on your knees and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me. Because of lukewarm. Lukewarm. And Jesus saying, you can't be part of my bride. You can't be part of my body. I don't relate to that. You see, most of us overestimate our spirituality. You, will go, you can go to the murderer in prison and he'll probably tell you, man, I'm not really a bad guy. I had an off day. A really off day. But we tend to overestimate our spirituality, where we're at. Until we meet Jesus, then we fall on our knees repenting. 
Now I see. And I need you. Let's not become complacent. Let's not become indifferent. Let's not pass the buck and blame Jacob Zuma for our country's problems. It's not his fault. It's our fault. Let's take responsibility and say, I need to change. I need to stop racism. I need to treat other people with dignity. Amen. That is, that's what God wants to do. And so he says, you don't realize that you're wretched, miserable, and poor, blind, and naked. That is lukewarm. That is lukewarm. That is that in-between. That is, it's a terrible deception. And I'm trusting that Jesus would speak to every one of us this morning to say, oh man, I need to change. I'm preaching to myself. I need to change. I need to change. Let's say it. I need to change. And then he says there, going to finish in a moment. He says there in verse 18, so I advise you to buy gold from me. Buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy white garments from me so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love so be diligent and turn from your indifference. He says buy. In other words, it will cost you something. It is free, but it will cost you something. It will cost you something to break out of the indifference. It will cost you something to, 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 to be on fire for God. It will cost you your comfort zone. I told the guys in the men's camp this as well. If you've got 10 employees that you're working with, nine of them are wonderful saints. Beautiful, lovely people. And then there's the one. We all have the one, don't we? The one that freaks you out. The one that is so angry and hateful. The one that can't treat you nicely or speak nicely to you. And it seems like they've got their knife in for you. That one. That one is your ticket to glory. Amen. It's, that one is your ticket to glory. We want to we resign. We want to run away. We want to go do something else because that one is freaking you out. That one is your ticket to glory because that one has been sent to teach you how to love and to get out of your comfort zone and to humble yourself and to be nice. That's what it costs to be on fire for Jesus. It's like go to the problem areas. <laughs> go to the problem people and choose to love them. It burns us. It speaks about that fire, the gold that's gone through the fire. That burns us, cleanses us, heals us, restores us. It gets us ready for the true fire. Amen. Let's say a ticket to glory. <laughs> so when you walk into your work on Monday, you tell them, hey, you're my ticket to glory. <laughs> well, actually, the whole bunch of you are the ticket to glory. <laughs> Amen. Again, it's how you see it. We, we must not look with human eyes. We must look with the eyes of Christ. It will cost you something. You know, but we so used to this McDonald's quick fix culture. We wanted yesterday and easy. It doesn't come easy. It will cost you to get up earlier in the mornings to seek the face of Jesus. It will cost you to spend time in his word. It will cost you to... To choose a church where you're going to be challenged to grow. Instead of finding your comfort place. Well, they're never going to get me <laughs> to move from where I'm at. 
No, step out of the comfort zone. There's more. And so Jesus comes, verse 20, ending off with this. Look, Jesus is saying, look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Isn't that profound? So he's saying, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. He's saying, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, open up. And I will come into you and we will have a meal as friends. Isn't that amazing that God would allow rebels like you and me, people who would choose our own way, blaspheme the name of Jesus, go through all the things that we do, and then he comes and he comes and he says, he comes and knocks and says, can I help you? I see you have some challenges. Can I help you? And so he speaks, hey, can I, can I help you? And if you hear the voice, you open the door, he comes in and says, let's be friends. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that he would take rebels like you and me and make us friends? God isn't looking for puppets. He isn't looking for robots. You know, it's like with me and my wife. I'm not looking for a maid. I'm not. I'm not looking for a maid. I could get a maid and I could pay her. Yes, I'm looking for a woman that would love me passionately. And she does. Amen. It's just no fun when the one you're with is like, I don't want to be here. Oh, get over with it. You know. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be part of this. I don't, my heart's not for you. I'm not in love with you. God is not looking for robots. He's looking for friends. He doesn't want to order you around and like a, a male boy, you know, but, 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 go for this, go for that. It, 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 he wants you to, come on, let's be friends. Love to be with me. Love to spend time with me. Love to be in my presence. Be my friend. God is looking for friends. Dead religion, it's like a clinical cold from a distance. Empty. Fearful. Haven't done enough today. God is angry. Haven't done enough today. God is angry. God is not angry with you. He's knocking at the door. He's saying, hey, can I come and help you? Can I, can I come to give you real peace and real joy? Can I come to set you free from the darkness on your soul? Can I come to make you my friend? And then you can come and sit on my throne and we're going to change the world together. That almost sounds blasphemous. Sit on my throne with me. That's what it says. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne. Jesus saying, come and reign with me. Yes, I am God. Yes, you worship me. Yes, there's no one like God. But he wants to bring us higher. Say, come. Experience my love. Be my friend. Be transformed. It's nothing like it. Nothing like it. The highest call in this life is to have an intimate love relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's what God wants to give to you. He wants to transform your life. Amen.